We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned till the end of the interview, as usual, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the shares. Just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Mekki Bansel, CEO and founder of Nonfic, which helps companies create, publish, and promote ebooks. Mekki studied journalism, yet came to believe that most books simply retold the same message. When assigned to write an ebook and a marketing job, she was dismayed that it was just thought of as a tool and it didn't really matter that it was any good. An expert in branding and marketing, she created Nonfic in order to help businesses create good quality ebooks for marketing and lead generation. Nonfic is both a service and a marketplace, offering business books for free on its own platform so people can continue to return to and learn from them. Mecky believes connecting with customers on an emotional level first is key. When working with companies, she encourages them to be open about their story and message and to stand up for what they believe in in order to set themselves apart. She uses both words and design to help tell their story and promote their brand. And Nonfic is the latest iteration in this project to help businesses do just that. Now, let's get better together. Miki. Bansel, welcome to the podcast. Mackie. Mackie. Okay, stop. I see I screwed up. Okay, ready? Here we go. I think we should keep it though. I know. Hold on. Three, two, one. Mackie Bansel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. AKA Batman, by the way, which we're going to tell here all about the Batman story. You're the founder and CEO of Nonfic, and I'm so embarrassed because the only thing I have to get right is the name, and I mess it up. 
So I apologize. I'll try to cut this in, but that was just too funny not to leave. (laughs) That was pretty funny. (laughs) Anyway, but you, uh, you're the founder and CEO of Nonfic. Um, Such an interesting story about what it is and some of your life journey. Um, And we'll talk all about Nonfic and all that sort of stuff. But as I always like to say, before we get started on anything on the show, we'd like to know how you got to do what you're doing today. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what, what, what am I doing? This is a, this is a question I ask myself every morning. I literally wake up and I'm like, what am I doing? And I look at my calendar and there's usually like 16 calendar notifications. And so I never actually have to do the deep soul searching of what am I doing? Because I like Google just takes care of it for me. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, interesting point, you know, um, so many entrepreneurs are sort of like driven by like the day, like, oh, you know, I, I, I go to sleep, I wake up and it's like my entire world is now just my calendar beholden to the Google slave of calendar. But, you know, I mean, it's interesting because we were talking a little bit ahead of time and, you know, nonfic is a book kind of site free ebooks and guides. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I love people that love books. And you're like, yeah, I really don't love books. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about that because I also know you're in the process of writing a children's book, which I love authors, as everyone knows, I have tons of them on the show. And so tell me a little bit more about this. <laughs> so I do. Okay. It's funny. I, I do. And I don't love books, right? Like I grew up when I was younger, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to be like an artist and a writer and like all these different things. And, um, and then, you know, I went through school, I went through like the traditional American schooling system and I read all these books and, and I wrote reports on all these books and the more and more books I read and the more and more reports I had to write, I just realized how incredibly trite the message in every single book was. I was like, it was like, I was reading the same thing over and over. And, you know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty type a like running all the time, like productivity first kind of person. So it was just, it was just so crazy, like inefficient to me. I'm like, why, like, why am I doing this year after year after the same book? Like it's literally written by like the same person with the same like background, like it's the same thing over and over. And I I stopped reading all the books. This is what I did. Right. I got through college. Like I got through high school. I got through college. I never read any of the books. I literally just like wrote the same paper over and over with like a couple different names and a few symbols changed. And it was like, Straight A's, 4.0 wow. all the way through. Man, why didn't I know this trick back in the day? But I mean, you know, I, I went to engineering school, so it's a little different. But the, the thing that I remember, like, I remember this like vividly. We had to take these liberal arts classes because they wanted us to be well-rounded. Like, come on, man, I'm here from eight to five every day. I've got labs. I mean, I'm just, this is a full-time job, like <clears throat> more than anything, right? And I remember... Uh, was in this class called jazz in America, which is like this, you know, like, you know, it started at, at the ungodly hour of 11 AM. And most of the people in my class were an engineering student. So they'd roll in hungover or whatever. And I just remember like, to your point, like, well, you're going to have to write a paper by the end of the semester. And I'm like, Oh, paper. Okay. And it's going to have to be eight pages long. And I'm like eight. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, I do. I do was doing 25 page reports like a week, right. For engineering school. And it's like, yeah, just pick someone and go. And I'm just like, God, this is a cake, a cakewalk, right? And yeah, it's like, they must just see this sort of like, 
same thing over and over again. Cause when I, I, if you turned it in early, you got bonus points. So I turned it in early and everyone came up to me and said, Hey man, let me have your paper. Let me have a paper. I'll pay you money. I'll buy you beer. And I'm just like, what, what is this how it works? <laughs> I'm in the wrong field. Well, maybe not, but anyway, wow. So then how did nonfit come about then? I mean, what's the origin story then? You like, you don't like to read. <laughs> I'm curmudgeon about it. I mean, you're not even my age. I'm like, I should be a curmudgeon. You're like the reading curmudgeon. Uh, I'm being facetious. And you're like, yeah, just start a company. Why not? Like, what's the... I am such a curmudgeon about everything. <laughs> no, so then I, I guess I like, I, I got into the, you know, I moved to San Francisco and, and read, San Francisco read. And, and I got all these jobs and whatnot. I was like, I, I had like a marketing job that I, I kind of hated, but like was also kind of fun sometimes. Um, and then somehow I ended up working at, at the, the most boring of boring SaaS companies. It was like analytics for like I, analytics for people that did analytics that helped other people figure out their analytics doing like, and I, like it was just like so many levels down. And so, of course, like you're at a company like that, a lot of it is like content marketing and like building relationships. And it's less about like the quick sale that like I was when I was in e-commerce was more the focus. And so we're having like some funding troubles and whatnot, you know, like early stage startup stuff. And the CEO comes in, he's like, you know, we need to write an ebook. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I finally just understood what all these words that you say every day mean. I'm like, now you want me to write a book on it? And he's like, no, we're going we're gonna to write a book. Because like, and I'm like, but we've done, like we did the social media, we did, just like a laundry list of like all the different marketing things we've done. He's like, look, you can write a book and then you can design the book. And I'm like, oh my God, I could design a book. Like that was it. It was like, like the, the bells and whistles went off in my head. It was like, so I was like, finally, I'm going to be a real designer. I could like see the whole future in front of me. It was very yellow because the brand color was yellow, which was something I battled as a xanthophobe. Like somebody has trouble with the color yellow. <laughs> and I didn't think about it at the time. I was just like, okay, so it'd be a beautiful book. So I wrote this incredibly long book. I spent like seven or eight months writing that thing. And every day this guy would come in and he'd be like, is it done yet? And I'd be like, no, like, you know, I don't like this wording here. And like this, like, I got to tweak the color a little bit here. And he's like, finally, after like one month of this, this process, he's like, Mackie, you don't understand. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to read this thing. And you got to imagine, right? Like I have put like, this is like my, like, like my, like, like I'm going to write and design a book. It's like my life dream. Like, and he's just like, like nobody cares. Nobody reads these. They're expected to be terrible. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is the problem. This is the problem with the world (laughs) is the expectation is always just that people will do things and they do them poorly. They don't do them poorly. Like I, I 100% understand the need to ship fast and iterate. But at some point, if you don't even care about what you're doing, like, what? <laughs> I'm like, why am I doing this? You want me to make something terrible? And I literally just like stormed out. I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, that was it for the day. I'm like, I'm not going to do an ebook. It's going to have to be terrible. But um, so we went through this, this process several times. And finally, six months later, the ebook comes out. Everyone loves it for like a week, literally six months of the work. One week later, everyone has forgotten about it. And of course, he's like, I told you so. Like, it's just like, I told you so. Like, nobody's going to care. And I'm like, but, but like, why? <laughs> um, and so this kind of, this, this concept followed me around for a little while. And eventually I was like, you know what? There needs to be, there needs to be a way that we can like 
review these and, and treat these as like real books. And, and I have my own problems with real books, but I do think that a system where it, it's not like, it's not just the people with the biggest ad spends win, or like if you can throw ad dollars at something or, or you can have a landing page that makes promises that are never fulfilled on, like then then you'll be the most successful and then everyone just feels betrayed at the end like it, it's not a good system so i was like you know what i, I want to change the system i want to i want to make better free books <laughs> which is i don't know well i mean it's i mean it's it's a noble cause right i mean i'm in pr and marketing i have my own pr and marketing firm right and i get this all the time like people want to go viral. They want to like have content. Like everyone always wants content, but then they kind of just want the content grinder. They just want to grind out content and, Oh, let's make it SEO keyword magic. And, you know, and it's, you know, and it's like, Oh, it's gotta be only 425 words because you know, the average web page, average blog post is only, you know, you're like, like, okay. Like who reads? I like it's to your point. It's all this garbage junk that sort of floats around and, what you find over time, which I think you nailed on, is like quality wins over time, mm-hmm. over quantity, like 100%. I mean, I have a blog called The Daily MBA. Best article ever written on it, I wrote 12 years ago. <laughs> and it's the top one all the time. And the reason yeah. is, is because it's relevant. It's it's like complete, you know, uh, what's it called? Legacy or, uh, you know, c- continue on content. I can't think of the word right now, but... Um, <clears throat> But the quality is there. Like quality endures long after price is forgotten, as Coco mm-hmm. Chanel would say, right? It's true. But <clears throat> sometimes, excuse me, <clears throat> but there is some truth to the fact that you don't know what's going to hit. But I like your idea of, look, if you're going to put it out there, at least have some sort of quality to it. I think that's the what's the differentiator between good content and bad content, good branding yeah. and bad branding, good storytelling, bad storytelling. This isn't a game of just putting shit out there. This is trying to help people. And I think the curation and the brand building and this whole thing is just people are going to win on the story. They're not going to win on the product. Products yeah. democratize. It's done. Like product, you build anything. Just get out of my way. Like it's really, do I have a relationship with the brand? And, you know, I think that's what you kind of, you're sensing that the world is shifting this way. It's 100% clear to me. So I just thought if, if, is that what you're saying too, or? Yeah. Like it's, it's funny that I, I studied story for so many years and I just think that like now I I also work with several brands to try to like bootstrap the non-fic thing into existence. Um, And there's just a really, there's a disconnect between how people look at brand and how people look at story and people want a brand that's all about like the, the nuts and bolts, right? It's like people think of brands as machines and it's like, no, brands are not machines. Like we are emotional people. You can take one emotional thread and you can carry it through. It's like what Disney does really well, right? Like, I, I don't know if I should be referencing Disney and right now, but as like somebody that does anything well. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, well, I mean, to your point, right. <clears throat> I think we were talking a little bit about, about this today. Remember we were talking about the uncomfortable and right. Yeah. Like, why don't you talk a little bit about your philosophy? I mean, we, we, the term uncomfortable and comes from my fiance Minerva, but the way you explained it was beautiful. And 
the Disney example is a great segue into that. So why don't you just do a little sidebar on that and then oh God. continue on? Well, it was just, it was brilliant because I think this is, we're onto something here. That, that's the thing that's really powerful. Is we're definitely going to unthread the story on this for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm, oh God, this is, I'm going to be that person, right? This is going to be my personal brand now as a person that stands up for, for all the anti-PC in the world. Um, but what I was saying earlier is that I think that it's really important to be able to separate the creator from the creation. And so like I, like I said, I'm working on a kid's book and I create a lot of things. Like I've built nonfic, I've built this app. I do branding. I have my own personal brand. I'm like, I try to do art occasionally and I, and I'll show it to people. And of course, you know, when you're early and you don't have a lot of dollars to throw it, like user testing or whatnot, you'll just show it to your friend. Like everybody, anyone that's willing to listen at any point on the bus, at the store, on the street, in my house, my cat, like really doesn't matter. I'm just like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And everyone, of course, will be like in very mom test fashion, um, you know, oh, I love it. Like, of course, I'm like, okay, but what if you didn't know me? Then would you use it? And then would you love it? And so I see all of this stuff and I get into this fight with people a lot about, oh, I can't, I can't like that anymore because I found out that the person that created it is like a bad person or it doesn't align with my moral values. And I hear this a lot, right? Like I can't like, I actually had this discussion with a friend the other day. It's like, I can't like turning red because it was like created by a company that I can't support. And I'm sitting there like, but why? Like, can't you like, like if you remove, like you, there should be a way to separate those two things because it's like the creation is making the world better and it's teaching an important lesson and it's, it's good. Like, it's just, it's, it's good story. It's good. Like it's good animation. It's, it's well done. I actually haven't seen turning red yet, so I, but I'm assuming. It's I have, good, it's I good, have, so. it's good. No, it's good. Um, it's good. It's really well done. But like, I think that honestly, everything that that Disney makes is generally pretty well done from a like story perspective, like stories are well thought out. The characters Mm -hmm. are well developed. The animation is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like the, the design is beautiful. The the colors are like, everything is just like really well done. And then, but I feel bad because I'll get into fights with people and they'll say, how can you support a company like that? I'm like, but I'm, I'm not like, I'm just, I'm just saying like, it's good. Like you can't deny the fact that something is good. And so I think that there's this, when you said the uncomfortable and it just really resonated with me because I struggle with that idea a lot of being able to say that like the thing that somebody creates needs to be bigger than the person that has created it. So even if, even if you are maybe like you have questionable morals or um, like, I'm not saying you have questionable morals, but right. No, I appreciate somebody that. has questionable morals, but they are doing something good in the world or they're creating something in the world that makes the world better or more fair. Like, that should be recognized as something that's worth supporting. I, I don't know if that really makes a lot of sense. If I no, it does. It. it does because it's it comes down to story and narrative because as an example, right, um, like you mentioned the Disney thing, and I'm sure it's probably related to the Florida law that they're talking about, like, you know, the don't yeah. say gay <laughs> thing, right, which is horrible. Like this is, you know, look, it, it's horrible, right? Yeah. The thing that the CEO of Disney, right, again, and I'm a – I'm a PR professional, so I can say this <laughs> grain of salt, grain not. of salt. No, no, but grain of salt, grain of salt, grain of salt. Okay. He made a mistake. People make mistakes. You absolutely cannot crater someone for mistakes that they make 
if and only if they try to make amends. And he he's trying to make amends. Now, you can't get on your, your moral high horse and think everyone's going to make this absolute perfect decision all the time. It's absolutely super complicated. And one of the things you mentioned about like, oh, this is an evil company. How can you support them? Well, according to who? Because I see a lot of people that get like, they bash all of these folks, right? And you're like, do you even know them? Do you even know what they stand yeah. for, right? So so for me, and, and this is what brand, so when you talk about storytelling and branding and like having a moral compass and standing up for what you believe in, that also means getting like thrown, you know, getting, you know, having things chucked at you for no, for stupid reasons, because people don't know you. And I'll give you the best example of this. Last week, I went to a event for uh, Women's History Month, right? Because this is was in March, it was last week, and uh, it was at <clears throat> it was at the library here in San Francisco, one of the libraries. It was actually the Western Edition Library, which is my local library, and uh, I love the library. You know, f- just for identification purposes only, I'm a library commissioner. So just because I can't okay. say, <laughs> so just so you know, right? So I got invited, and. <clears throat> The people at this thing, they're going to release the Maya Angelou quarter. So I don't know if, if anyone knows this, but they spent a lot of time trying to get women on our currency because there's no women on our currency, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, the, it's almost like half the population, 51% population doesn't exist, right? I'm being facetious, but you get the drift. It's like, why not, right? Yeah. So they're going to do over the next four years, roughly, they're going to release um, five coins with women significant history, right? Maya Angelou is one of them. Sally Ride's another one. Those are, that was the first Hispanic superintendent of schools. There was the first Native American woman chief, like the, like good stuff, like history, like, yeah, great. They also said, Hey, you know, we should, we should put a uh, Harriet Tutman on the 20 because, uh-huh. you know, for what you can say, whether you, whether they're not about Jackson or whatever. Right? Okay, fine. Okay. So I'm at this event. Speaker Pelosi's there, right? And no matter who you are on the spectrum, there's people that have this visceral reaction to her, who she is, right? Uh-huh. If you're a little more to the right, you think she's the antichrist or whatever. If you're a little more to the left, she's this, and she's, but again, she actually happened to have been a library commissioner for San Francisco. She's from the neighborhood. Like, this is like a, this is a really meaningful thing. And the other thing that's really meaningful about it is the courtyard outside this library is dedicated. We dedicated it to my late wife, Jane. So this is like, Jane's courtyard. It's just really uh-huh. special and personal to me. Like this is really, you know, I'm getting, I was getting emotional. I'm getting emotional, emotional now talking about it, but like anything, there's protesters, right? Cause uh-huh. she's the speaker of the house. They're going to be. Pro- so I'm standing in line to get into this thing, right? Just minding my own business. And there's protesters. And I appreciate that. Look, free speech, first amendment. I'm very pro first amendment, right? But I'm like standing in line and there's this protester telling me I'm a racist. And I'm all really, I didn't say a word. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to engage because look, there's some things you just can't engage with. Cause you just, uh-huh. some people you just can't reach like they're yeah. nuts. Full stop. You don't even know who I am. And I'm not even going to debate the fact that you think I'm, you don't even know me. Like, I don't even know you. You could be crazy. I don't know, but I'm like, interesting. So when you say, Oh, how could you be with that company? Like according to who, because I always take, Personally, my my heuristic is I give people the benefit of the doubt until they tell me directly to the, my face, I'm a racist, I'm an asshole, you know, I whatever. Like I am never gonna take hearsay 
I'm never going to take hearsay. It's like, what did they say? Yeah. What, and, and if they screw up, how did they handle it? Because to me, as a PR professional, the cover up, the screw up is always like the cover up or the how you handle it is way worse than the event. That is like gold, golden rule, right? So yeah. if you are legitimately like, I screwed up, I'm sorry. It's good enough for me because you know what? There's not a human on this planet that hasn't screwed up, right? I mean, the standard has to be, you have to be able to get back into society in a way that's, that's hey, same with brands. Yeah. Same with like all these things. And so to your point about, again, this quality and like really, sh- you know, not being like shoveling the shit of shilling that stuff, right? I love that because I think the craft of storytelling even these little silly ebooks about business, oh, God. right? You know, are important because someone yeah. put their time into it. Like this is not like throwaway, right? Yeah. So I love that, and and so I, I mean, is that what you want a nonfic to be? Is sort of like hold up that standard of this is the quality in the world we should celebrate. I mean, because this is a really good point, and I really like the way you're going with it. So what what's the story behind that? Well, so I th- like, I think that that's, it, it's really just exactly what you said, right? Is that like, I have encountered several times, maybe this is something unique to people in like marketing and PR and communication and things like that. But everybody all the time, whether it's like the printer that helped me print flyers at one point, or um, like, someone saying that something is taking to like, over and over throughout my life, I've heard nobody cares. Like, it's literally just, like, like, it's like the mantra that you get, like everybody. And I'm like, you know what? So I'm just like, okay, but I care. Like, I care that this is good. I care that I put something out into the world. It might not be perfect. It's probably not perfect. Like, it's definitely not going to be perfect. But like, I care that I did my best to make it. And like, why isn't that enough? Like, why is it just like everything is just expected that nobody cares and therefore nothing you do matters. Like you have to believe at some point that what you're doing matters. Um, But also I wanted to say uh, to your point about the person that yelled at you about being a racist is I think we just go around slapping these labels on people willy nilly. Right. And it's like, who are, who are you? Like, who am I? I definitely do not feel qualified it, uh, from whatever horse that I'm sitting on, which is not high at all. It's like a little pony. A miniature pony for a miniature comfort pony. I'm sitting on to pass judgment on people. I'm like, nobody, I very firmly believe that no matter who you are or like, right. And like history is written by the victors and like all of that, everybody I really honestly believe acts in a way that they think they're doing the right thing. I don't believe that people go around like it's part of human psychology that we are able to always make ourselves believe that we are doing the right thing. Yeah. So it's like, or we're, unless you're a complete psychopath, sociopath, and you have some mental derangement, which people have like that happens, but I agree with you generally. And I mean, you know, I get exposed to a lot of different people, right? Like, yeah. you know, and, and when someone calls me a racist, I'm like, Oh no, no, no. You don't know what racism is. <laughs> My friend, let me go introduce you to some of the people that I know in the South. Now you want to talk about racism. We'll talk about racism, but don't, you know, don't, don't be throwing those words, but, but this is the thing, right? When you put your opinion out there and people push back and there's, you know, and, and they're not, 
they're not intellectually honest or there's not rigorous intellectual combat is the way um, William F. Buckley put it, which I love. Like I have no problem debating ideas and like giving you the benefit of the doubt and let's talk about it. And there's the uncomfortable and, and I don't agree with this, but let's like have a rigorous debate because that's, that's good. But when you immediately like just throw the racism and throw all of these buzzword bingo things and you don't even want to dig in because that's your narrative and that's your worldview and you're in the bubble. I mean, I live in San Francisco. I'm in the bubble, man. I have to try really, really hard to get out of the bubble. Like I got to talk to people that don't look like me, don't sound like me don't have the same opinions as I do that are like off on this other spectrum. Right. And I'm not even that like San Francisco, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because if I don't, I have no counterbalance. And with, when you, you mentioned about marketing people like, Oh, no one cares. Right. It's like, yeah. well, that's bad because honestly, and you can, you know, and I'll just, you know, put the stake in the ground. I think marketing is going to matter more and more. I think it's all about how you yeah. tell your story. I don't think the product matters at all anymore. Done. Well, I think both matter, but, uh, so <laughs> I, when you were telling me the story with the races, I, it, it, you would be surprised how many times a day I get accused by my friends of being both a racist and an anti-feminist. <laughs> hilarious to I love me. it. I love it. Well, you know, the thing I always say is everyone's a little ist and a little ism. Like, everyone's a little ist and a little ism. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care the color of your, whatever. You are, oh, everyone's a little ist and ism. And when you know and you see the humanity in that and you can be compassionate with someone, then you could be like, okay, let's let's have a conversation. But just because I, I I look like me and you look like you, I cannot assume, right? Unless I know you. And if I know you, I really got to get to know you. I'm not just going to say, oh, you know, just because you're a white guy, you're part of the massage, blah, 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 yeah. blah. How do you know? You don't even know me, right? I don't even know you. And, and that's the thing I think I've found over time is when you get to talk to people one-on-one, and you get to share a meal or you get to talk with them. And honestly, we're all just trying to figure it out. And we're all just trying to be happy and successful. We want our families to be safe. We want our kids, yeah. whatever it is. All that other bullshit's manufactured by people that want to control us. And that may sound a little you know, conspiracy theory, but look at where the money goes, right? If, if you know, I'm not a fan of Trump, right? Just I, I, from so many issues, morality, just like from a, I'm not a fan, but the reason his, his message, his brand, his story was amplified so much for basically free, right? Look at how much he spent compared to Hillary, right? Yeah. He spent four X less and got 10 X the media or some ridiculous number. Why was that? Cause the media made money off him and he'd say it, he'd say, oh, you make tons of money off me. And it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Look at the numbers. He's not lying. Now he lies about a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. And the one thing you know about him is he's in it for himself and he's a hundred percent transparent on that. Yeah. But he was right. He's like, you look at him now. They, they like doing all this stupid stuff, like CNN plus everything's a plus now. So ridiculous. You guys are never going to make your brands. Not that. Yeah. You gotta be true to who you are. And I think as entrepreneurs, as we talk about this, right. Being true to who you are. 
Well, but it's, it's so funny because first of all, that is like, I have been saying that to people. And of course, everyone just like fires back at me. Like I have had people tell me, like, if I say something like that, how could you even think that? Do you hate women? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a woman. Oh, well, you're I'm not a woman. <laughs> Do you hate gay people? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging the fact that story is so important to how we look at the world and that you got it. He did a good job of telling his story, right? Like he had a story and there's actually a, a very basic psychological principle that I, I kind of like have studied and thought about a lot is this idea that people like to know what they're getting with other people more yep. than people like that their moral values align with somebody or that yep. they like that, you know, something else about somebody. People are drawn to people where they always know what they're going to get. And you got, you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to say anything because people call me like, a, like an anti-woman or like a, I, I don't even know what else. They, but like, yeah, that's a bad, stupid argument. You know, you knew what you were getting with him. He was like, he was always like, whatever he said, like it wasn't even, it wasn't even on brand. It was just everything that he said naturally aligned with the person that you thought he was. Yeah. And there's something really comforting about that. Like it's just, well, I mean, and, and, right. Well, so to your point, right. So companies, right. So this, this applies to branding and storytelling and as well, right. You got it. A company story has to deliver on what they promise. Yes. Has to be transparent and it has to be like, this is what I expect. When you buy Nike, when you buy Apple, when you buy Microsoft, like, you know what to expect. That's why those brands are so powerful. It's like, yeah, I, ex- I know what, to- there's no surprises, right? Yep. And when you throw just shit at the wall and marketing and want to do crappy eBooks and build links or whatever, and just want to do stuff to do stuff to get traction or to get, yep. go viral or whatever. That's not gonna work. It never it works because people it will be like, because they'll because they'll be fooled, right? They'll be like, "Oh, yes. you fooled me. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I want? I don't want to be fooled, right?" Yeah. And what's interesting is that you know <clears throat> the same circle of friends. We probably have some similar types of friends that, like, when I'll talk about this, and you know, and I've got the spectrum of friends, right? You know, I'm a little older. I'm Gen X, so I, I you know, I hate millennials and I hate boomers equally. I think they're all a bunch of idiots, honestly. <laughs> Cause I'm a curmudgeon that way. Like I'm yeah. Gen X, like no one gave a shit about us. We were latchkey kids. Like no one, the cavalry wasn't coming to save us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. Middle, like, we're the middle child. Know. We're the uncomfortable, middle, <laughs> we're the uncomfortable child. middle child. Right. Exactly. Right. What, what does that mean? You know, lead in the water, fluoride, you know, oh, God, TV dinners, oh, hung, hungry is, man, TV. Dinners. So yeah, lead in what, the water is too. Yeah, too latchkey <laughs> kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. what do you got? You, we've already been, like thrown under the bus, right? Well, yeah. to the point that you made about Trump, and I'm glad we brought this up because this is actually, uh, he's actually a master class in uh, trolling, okay? Yes. There's no one better in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one. There's, you can, It's always funny because, you know, like the Democrat versus Republican. I mean, Democrats bring knives to a gunfight when they talk to this guy. They don't get it. And like, I have a lot of Democratic friends. I support Democratic candidates. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I generally believe in the philosophy, right? But my gosh, you guys bring knives to gunfights with these folks and you don't learn, like learn from this, like make sure you understand the game, right? It's a game. You cannot be like, 
oh, we take the moral high ground. No, you can't take the moral high ground because you actually don't have the moral high ground most of the time. You're just as corrupt. You have just as much software. There is no moral high ground. <laughs> so create what you are. But this, like, what do we, like to your point, what do we expect, right? This is the thing I always try, like, this is the reason why Bernie, with all his flaw, faults and flaws, why people resonate so much with Bernie. It's like, I yeah. get, I know what I get with you. You have a company, like, I mean, you could debate all you want, but like, he stands for something, right? Yeah. And I, again, I'm not saying like, he's a good guy or what, I don't know him, but like, okay. Or like Andrew Chan, Andrew Yang, sorry, Andrew Yang. Why Andrew Yang was so popular, he stood for something. Yep. Simple. Like, sorry, Andrew, for messing your name up, but I mean, I was a supporter <laughs> of his as well. Because look, learn from the ones that do it well, to your point, even if you don't agree with them. Yep. The uncomfortable and matters. Why do we study history? Why do we study the rise of Nazism in 1931 to 45? Why do we study Vietnam? Why do we study all of these bad things that happened? The mm-hmm. Great Reset, the famines. Yeah. Why do we do it? To learn what not to do yep. and to take the lessons of history. It's not hard. And you know what? It's intellectually dishonest, right? To just say, oh, you're, anti, you're anti-immigrant. You're a racist. Like the other thing, like all Trump supporters are racists. No, yeah, that's not true. That's not full stop. No, it's true. I mean, like, and I'll, the, it's funny that it's it, it touches so many different things across like our experience. So I'll get on calls with like with brands, like with with companies, and they'll just be like, you know, you're a branding expert. Like you've built like you've mm-hmm. built great brands. You understand branding. Tell us what our brand should be. And I'm like. Like uh, you tell me what you're like, I can help you tell your story. Right. I have a journalism background. So I'm very like hardcore about like, I'll just ask a million questions and like trying to pull stories out of people. But sometimes I'll get on with like with the CEOs and leaders and they'll just be like, tell us what to say. And I'm like, okay, look, you have taken hours. Like I, I am a CEO and founder. I know how hard it is. Like you've taken hours and, and months and years of not only your life and dollars of not only your life, but the lives of several other people, right? Like, especially if you've gotten funding, you're like early stage, you have people on your team. I'm like, you're doing all of this. It's like combined. You're taking like pieces out of the human existence to try to make this company a reality. And you can't even tell me why you're doing that. And that usually, that usually gets people talking that, that's like when I phrase it like that, that's like my last resort question when I'm like... (laughs) Like you want me, an external party that is coming into this scene as a branding expert to tell you why you have spent a large portion of your life and given up, I don't know, nights with friends, nights with your wife, nights with your kids to build this thing. <laughs> like, I don't, you guys look inward, like just look inward, dude. Like, well, yeah, but, but, but that's a good, but actually the interesting thing about that, and that's the experience I have too, like. They don't know what they don't know. And it, and, and when you're, when you're deep in it, it's sometimes hard to see it. Yeah. You know, the whole forest through the trees analogy. <clears throat> but what I found is that um, they know they're yeah, just yeah. too, af- they're just too afraid to actually tell the truth. Right. And you're like, 
that was what wins. I mean, Pep yeah. Laya over at Winter, which is this great company. He's also the CEO of CXL. Yeah, this he's all about branding and, you know, yeah. branding is the way to go, right? And then follow him on LinkedIn. He's just great. I actually interviewed him uh, as well. Just a great, it's just such an interesting way to take on things. But yeah, same thing. It's like, you're going to hire me to tell you what you already know, which is fine because someone needs to tell you that exactly. it's okay to really say what you believe, even if someone calls you a racist. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, somebody got this idea that we should just tell everybody that there's a right answer to everything. I don't there know how it happened, yeah. but like somewhere, somewhere. And for the longest time, I believed that there was a right answer to everything. And I was searching for that right answer, right? Like absolute truth, whatever. And I would go around and maybe that's like why I have, I, I studied journalism because I was like, maybe someday I'll find the answer. And then like, I'll know, right? And then I was like, okay, well, the answer is 42. <laughs> <laughs> now I've moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah well, now I'm 43. I'm now on 43, 44, right? I've gone through like, I'm probably in like the hundreds of thousands of right answers now, but like <laughs> that computer is long broken. Right. Right, um, right. 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 And I think it's just like, now I just want to go around and tell everyone there is no right answer. Like the right answer is whatever you believe in the moment is the right answer. And you can change it. You can change your answer. Like that's another thing that people are so scared to do. They're like, but if yeah. I say this now, I can never go back on it. I'm like, what? Like, what are you like? I, no, yeah. of course you can. Like, people make mistakes. People make the wrong call. Like, you can. They're like, but then people will call me a hypocrite. And I'm like, I actually, I knew someone once, and they said something really good to me. They said, Mackie, changing your beliefs based on new information is not hypocrisy. It's intelligence. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> I agree with you. I think. That's so what's interesting is that in this climate right now, you know, of course, the whole cancel culture heuristic, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, it's just a horrible thing because we're not having a dialogue. Of, we're not talking to people we disagree with so we can find common ground and we don't trust each other. That's the other thing that's really right. scary is like, oh, we don't trust each other. and We don't trust institutions. Right. Right. The technology will not solve that. Technology never solves the fundamental truth is we have to trust trust each other to be actually have civilization that is what that's what holds civilization together that's the reason why we're americans or you're british or you're indian it's like you have a shared trust in the culture mm -hmm. and you can i mean you know we could you know monday morning quarterback all all along about like what ha what's happening in the ukraine right now in russia but yeah the thing that's interesting is that these things happen in happen in cycles. I mean, you know, history doesn't really repeat itself, but it rhymes. And you just see these things as things blow. You know, That's it's so true. Great. It's true. It's like fundamental. It it's like, okay, well, they rhymes because it's like, yeah. oh, well, is this whole like apps as, as an example, Russian aggression? Well, okay. Ever since Putin has been in charge, yeah, he has been annexing things. Crimea, he's yep. had wars, other things. So it's like, okay, well. What's the world going to do? I mean, relative peace for the last 40, 50, 60, you know, roughly, right? Ever, after World War II, okay, we had some, but, but generally like peaceful from a world perspective. Yeah. Of course, there's been some adventures in other places, which again, <laughs> if you looked at history, you could see, oh, well, you know, I wonder how this is going to work. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't do certain things, but it's like, it's, you know, Alexander yeah. the Great couldn't conquer Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, 
the Roman army <laughs> you know like come on like thousands of years like it's not you know even right now you look at like what they're doing you see that the advantage that that they saw the Russians saw or Putin in particular is like oh the west is fractured time to move yeah that same analogy can happen to brands and you know in society right when society is fractured it's the time that things move in right? Yeah. That's when things are dangerous. That's when freedom mm-hmm. of speech gets suppressed and you see all of these things. So as, as a brand, as a company, as someone, as, as entrepreneurs, like what we have to stand for matters. And we also have to give people the benefit of the doubt because a lot of the, a lot of what stokes this is fear, uncertainty, and doubt and yep. the bubble we're in. And you have to take a stand. Brands have to take a stand. You have to stand for something. You can't be just wishy-washy, right? Yep. If, and you got to own it. And if someone just calls you names, they call you names. Yep. And you're going to feel bad, but you know what? To be honest, if you're if you're like, you know, you and I, like, look, if I screw up, I'll say I'm sorry, try to make amends, move on. That should not crater your world. We need to have a mechanism that not only people, but brands as well, startups. I mean, we, we as entrepreneurs have, have been given a great responsibility to create something from nothing. Yeah. We're going to screw up. (laughs) (laughs) We constantly screw up all the time. So much. I screw up at least like, like 50 times a day. Like I I have like a running tally. I used to try to keep tally the number of times I screwed up a day. And it was just like, it just like, I'm like, try to beat my record from yesterday. (laughs) But I mean, as entrepreneurs, right, we have to have like, you know, thankfully, most of us have that mentality, like, look, failure is is an option, but never the final result of what's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, this is a tough job. This is not something that like you just all of a sudden like, oh, I'm going to do this. This is so great. I'm going to be a billionaire. No, no, you're, you never get rich on this. No oh, way. So true. Very rarely do people get rich on this. They yeah. do it because they love it. They want to have an independent life that completes them. They stand for something. And honestly, they're trying to make the world better in some way. Now, of course, yeah. there's always going to be people. There's always a spectrum. And you could talk about evil capitalists and blah, blah, and rich yeah. billionaires. What? Okay, fine. We got some challenge, but that's not the inherently not the evil, right? It's people trying to do the right thing and help people, right? That's the whole point. So- Anyway, and it's so it's so funny that like it takes so much courage to like to go off and start something on your own, right? And just be like, okay, I'm like I'm gonna wake up one day and I'm like I'm not gonna have health insurance. Oh God, I could go on and on about health insurance, like another (laughs) hour discussion. But right, like I'm not gonna have health insurance. I'm not like I have to pay my rent. Like all this, like if you have families, and it takes you have to believe so strongly to be able to do that. And then these are the same people that are just like, I wonder what changes somewhere along the way that it's like, you get so scared of everything that like, even the idea of tying yourself to a philosophical stance is just like terrifying because you're like, there's a right answer and I have to find the right answer. Yeah. Like, yeah I, starts on this journey looking for the right answer. Well, you know, I think it's also, yeah. You know, that's really a really astute question because I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, because I'm, you know, the sandwich generation. And again, yeah. I, hate, I hate I hate both. I'm, I'm being facetious. I don't really hate anyone. I just it's just funny to say. Um, and I, I realized that it's it's the male you 
of what you're brought up in. So when you have it, I mean, again, into a certain sense, you're conditioned this way. If you have grow, grow, grow up as like, no one ever fails. There's always a right answer, you know, you know, go, go team all the time. And you've never really had adversity. Then you are going to freak out when something goes wrong. And you're going to be like, I can't be wrong. I can't be wrong. Right. That's interesting. And then you, but then you also see the society now, right? Like, you know, there's people that like for one word, one tweet had their entire career completely and utterly destroyed. Now, yeah, some of those people may, may not have deserved. I don't know. But when you see that, when you signal that and you're like lowly people like us in the, you know, blogosphere or the internet yeah. sphere, like worried that we're, that some, we're going to lose, you know, we don't have much money. And then they'd be like, oh, you're gone. Right. Like, that makes an impact unless you grew up in a fact where like, yeah, no one's coming to save us. Come on. I see. Why, okay. why do we care? Right. Like, what is it like? There's more important things in the world than to worry about this. Yeah. Right? Okay. So what you're telling me is that I can call my mom and I can say, Hey mom. So the reason why I'm so successful today is because I was such a difficult child. I just need you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And and you, you know, give your parents some credit, right? For No, they did they did great. I mean, they like they were very they were very supportive in terms of like like she's just going to do whatever she wants at the end of the day. Well, but I mean, there's also the 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 um what's interesting is like de- again, depending on how you grew up, if you were in a, a, an environment that was more process oriented as opposed to results oriented. So, yeah. you know, like <clears throat> process matters like because you you really can't control the outcome of anything you can only control your effort you put into it outcome is basically random to a first yeah. order i mean there's some things don't get me wrong i'm not saying that like oh hard work doesn't matter but hard work matters but it's it's a the first step is a lot of luck and then how much effort you've put into it it's not yeah. given to you i mean and you can of course debate on well if some people get a golden spoon or whatever blah 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 okay fine whatever i can't but, like, believe that right like i can't sit where generally, I'm now and believe right. that because that would just mean that right. i like i would have to believe that i would never be able to do something great if, right. because like i don't fit the golden spoon like you you all. know honestly you're the 1% of the 1% that's how rare you are in entrepreneurship. You're the 1% of the 1%. You're a woman minority. 1% of the 1%. I am the 90, I'm the, the, the standard vanilla white guy with a beard, right? That's, I'm like 90% of, of VC and entrepreneur. That's the reason why I do this show. It's like, this is, yeah. this is, this is insane, right? This is not that hard a job. It's not, you don't have to be, a. I mean, Look at the entire world. There's entrepreneurs in every single country that look yeah. like everyone. Yep. Like it, it's not hard. It's just you you don't you can't really control the outcomes. You have to be really comfortable with being uncomfortable at that and you have to have the effort and the skills and the smarts, right? So part of this show is like, oh, what are what are the skills and the and the and the ideas, like the traits, values and beliefs you need, right? Yeah. Because you may not as a kid have even figured that out. You're like, I don't know, but who knows? Like they, I was just, Oh, be a doctor, be a lawyer. You're going to be a mechanic. Be a doctor. Like, right. Right. I mean, I'm being stereotypical, but I mean, like, it's true. It's like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Went to Harvard. You're like, Oh man, mom, do you have to say that again? I know oh, he God. went to Harvard oh. and I couldn't get in, you know, blah. you know, it's like, oh, you just sit there with your hand in your face, but it's important. It's important that we, 
have these conversations that we don't get mad at each other. If we have a disagreement that we have, yeah. that we have compassion for people. You have no idea what someone's been through. No That's matter, true. no matter the color of their skin, no matter who they are, you have no clue. So to broadly brush, say something like that, or to say that's evil without yeah. like you making that determination yourself. And don't get me wrong, right? The uncomfortable and is an example. Mm-hmm. If you are uncomfortable with, oh, they had this great artist art and they happen to be a pedophile. That's up to you. Like you make that determination, right? But you're right. Like the art and the artist to a certain degree, the work should stand on its own. And then yeah. you as an individual, but don't, but just because you <laughs> don't take the moral high ground, because honestly, it's hard to take the moral high ground. <laughs> a lot so, of people. Man. Even if you do, like, even if you do know someone really well, like, can you, how, who are you? Like, I just, I feel like people say like, oh, like so-and-so, like I couldn't be friends with this person anymore because they're like evil. And I'm like, okay, well, you can't be friends with them anymore because you disagree with their moral stance on things. That's perfectly fine to say. You're allowed to decide who you keep in your life. But like evil just feels like such a like, can you really say like, how can you say that somebody else is evil? I don't, I do not feel qualified. That's all I'm going to say. Like that is one thing (laughs) I will stand on for all attorneys. I do not feel qualified to make a judgment call between good and evil. Like I have my own moral values. I align all of my behavior very consistently to my own moral values. Those moral values change sometimes based on new information, but like, I can never, I will never even say like, I am a good person because I don't know. Like, well, I think you can say with certainty that if you're, you know, there are certain things that you can, like, there's certain things that are just the standard of evil, Hitler, you know, Mussolini, you know, Putin, (laughs) like standard of evil, right? Like, okay, that's evil. (laughs) Every conversation comes back to Hitler. Yeah. Right. Oh, always. Right. But, but, but you get what I mean. But I mean, I think for, for individuals, you know, I think you really just have to look at the, like you said, um, you know, it's it, making the moral judgment without reflecting on the, your moral path and like what, you know, what the people's situation there. Cause I mean, some, some people like grew up in an environment where all they knew is racism yeah, or all they know is poverty. Like, you know, they say, oh, well, these kids should just pull them up from their bootstrap. They know they should know better. Like, that's the thing I can't understand. I said, look, oh, you God, are, they right, should know better. If you are in the inner city, you are impoverished. Every day someone's shooting at you. You have there is so much stress and unst- instability that the that the basic Maslow hierarchy of needs isn't even being met. Like you can't even yeah. eat. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. You you expect this kid to sit in a chair and not be agitated because they're like wondering if someone's going to kill him, and you're like you're you're like they should know better. Like you have no idea. That's the yeah. you can take any one of those things and apply it right. And so then it comes down to one: is it really the ist and the ism, or is it just naivety, naivety? Yeah. Right? Or is it what they grew up in? Like you have to know because then you can then not necessarily make a judgment, but now you can like, okay, this is how I frame the conversation. Now I can like, I can try to understand where you're coming from. And I'm not saying that like everything's right and wrong. Clearly there's societal norms, but 
don't tell me that some kid from the inner city should pull themselves up by their bootstraps when they don't even have bootstraps to pull up. They're hungry. They're cold. They're homeless. People are shooting at them. There's violence, no fault of their own randomly got born into this. Like I could have been, any one of us could have been like born into it and you never would know. And you're just like, Oh, those people you're like, you have no idea. So stop with the moral judgment, like try to help them understand them. Well, I think that's the thing. And it, it really comes full circle to the whole discussion about brand and story, right? Is that like, we like to believe that everything is intellectual and that like we can have intellectual, rational conversations about everything all the time. But like, what re- I think what really needs to happen more in the world, and this is like, you need to understand people on an emotional level, right? Like, as much as the intellectualization of everything comes after the emotionalization of everything, which is like, it's extremely hard for me to accept that. Like, I'm going to be honest, I love to intellectualize everything to death and rationalize it. Well, it always goes like according to Aristotle, right? It's always pathos, pathos, emotion, logos, logic, ethos, credibility. So, I mean, it's baked into us. It's It's proven by an old white guy from Greece. (laughs) We got to accept the old white guy adage of like several old white guys. Isn't that Freud's thing too? Like, oh, I mean, and then even before them, it's not like you know people in before them, the the people in India, the people in Africa didn't have. I mean, well, like, we don't talk about them. No, no, we don't talk about the. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, you know, the shoulders of giants here. It just so happens that Aristotle and the Greeks had an alphabet and wrote shit down, and people and that survived, right? I mean. It's you could go on and on about like foundations of it. So like the foundation yeah. of religion too. But but you're right. It's like this emotional thing. You have to understand the emotion before you get to the rational. And I think if more people understood that, not only would they build better brands, I think they'd understand people more. And you know yeah. what? Sometimes you gotta yeah, Hopefully. stand up for something. Maybe. So well, but. I appreciate your time. We sort of went kind of all oh, around. God. Yeah. <laughs> Got back to this. <laughs> Everyone should go uh check out uh Non-fic. non-fic and uh thanks again for your time that's been a great conversation i really appreciate it <laughs> as stories go in circles so we have also gone in circles <laughs> not in circles 100 take care stay safe thanks again mackie <laughs> for the great interview <laughs> i don't know why your name gave me a problem but uh it does sometimes i'm only human uh as usual uh here are some actionable insights that i learned from my interview with mackie there's no right answer, Mekki advises. Go with what you believe is right at the time. It's okay to change your mind once you have more information. And yes, you're not with waffling, waffling, whatever they call it nowadays. When new information comes to light, it is okay to change your mind. That is what someone that's intelligent and has actually got a conscience does. So just because... You may think, oh, I need to, you know, go down the path and like not change. You know, you you need to have uh, strong convictions loosely held is the way it puts it, especially when it comes to any kind of new data or adjustments. So ask yourself questions like, are my assumptions still valid? Do I have new information? Do I need to change my mind? And it's fine to change your mind. Don't, don't get all bent about that, right? Happens all the time. And the ones that can change their mind, move on, and adapt and overcome are the ones that are successful. Just this the way it is. Someone else can't define your brand. Only the people who lead the business can do that. Marketers can help you figure out the 
best way to tell your story and what tools to use and how to refine your brand is communicated. But ultimately, only you say what you stand for. And 100% true. I see this all the time when I work with people. Really, it comes down to removing all the extraneous words and getting down to the core of what you stand for. And of course, you know, we all want to make money and get return from investors, blah, 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 right? That's not something to stand for. What what you want to stand for is in the internal reason why you're going to spend your precious time. You can spend your time on anything. You can spend your precious time on doing this company. So ask yourself the questions like, what is my why? Do I really want to spend my time on this? Am I chasing the money? Am I not chasing the money? If I never got paid for this, would I still do it? Or more importantly, can I wait? Do I have enough runway, et cetera, et cetera? So it's important, right? It really is. And telling your story is even more important because I always say the best story wins because it's true. Focus first on connecting emotionally, whether it's with a prospective client or simply someone you are getting to know. Then move on to logical, intellectual discussion. So, yes, uh, connection's important. Having some shared humanity, some shared compassion, even if it's someone you don't agree with. Really, the first step in any kind of business relationship, customer, client, whatever, is to have that emotional connection. Um, it's really important because that emotional connection leads to trust. Trust leads to doing business with someone. So, Really um, ask yourself questions like, you know, who is this person? What is What are my customers like? Who am I? How, how can I kind of show up in a more authentic way? So there you have it, the actionable insights I got from my awesome interview with Mecky. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.